didn't ham have bonin. the hand gap. Ham boning. Southern I style. Ham boning. That's better. Guys night. Alright, hold on. This is my look. That's my normal. This this is my voice. I will turn my head and cough. <laughs> Can you do a joke or laugh? No. <laughs> I'm still spiking. That's well, well that, that almost bad spiking. Well, no, it sounded almost like. Because <laughs> oh, how is he? So here's the thing. He does it so good. This is why I've noticed. Everyone can do a beginning where you go. <laughs> Everyone can do that. But when you get to the maniacal part where yeah. he just loses it, where he goes, ah! like almost like a psychopath, literally like losing his mind. It seems not that many people can do it. Cause I can do the beginning where you're doing Maverick calls the bad guy laugh. He goes, don't laugh like that. Only bad guys do that. <laughs> but when you get to the losing it where he just falls apart cackling, I can't get to that level. I can't really? go. And it seems Mark Hamill really was able to like get that vocal range of where he's just, you literally think he's having a mental break. You like see, this. he had the advanced script for La- uh, for The Last Jedi, and he's like... <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> see, that's pretty that's close. Pretty good. But that's just, that hurts, see? though. I know, that's it hurts as bad. close as I can get. Gavin, Joker oh, laugh. That oh, hurt man. a little bit. You gotta turn your head, dude. <clears throat> I can't yeah, go yeah. that high. Yeah. Like, it starts pretty slow, and then it kind of builds up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's actually bad. really good. You're my glob! You're my glob! We should start. <coughs> we we haven't started? Really? Yeah, no, we haven't started. Like we might edit some stuff. Okay. Oh! <laughs> Unacceptable! I can't. <laughs> Acceptable! <laughs> You're my glob! Hey. <laughs> Tales from the Ditch. Sorry! <laughs> Spiking! Is that... Oh, yeah, sorry. I think man. it was both at the same time. Yeah. Starring Sean Allen Moss. Troy Hubert. Seth Jakob <laughs> Vildska. Yeah, Seth Jakob Vildska and... And back again... For how many times has he been on? This is my this is, second appearance. Is this second? But I think the first one we split into two episodes, probably. Nope. One episode. No? Really? What? I thought you'd been on like nine times. No, no. <laughs> I think that the insult of uh, the first <laughs> guest to say cake just resonated with you for a while. I could hear it in your voice. In oh, so audience. based on that, yeah. listeners, you know, it's Gavin Mendelrom Jarvis. Welcome. Wait well. Whale. Whale. What's we won't record it. What's your real middle name? <laughs> you can't, it's Roger. Gavin Roger Jarvis. Gurge. Well Gurge. This is probably a bad time to say I'm leaving the show. I'm exiting. <laughs> I just uh don't know what we're doing here anymore. I I thought we'd sell out at this point, but we still haven't made money. I thought people would offer us to sell out at this point. But Gavin. <laughs> I have a question for you. Go for it. Uh, I do maybe want to talk about Adventure Time because the finale of Adventure Time is Did out. You see it? Gavin, have you watched okay, it? Okay, I haven't watched Adventure Time, but <clears throat> I have maybe a, we shouldn't. I have a bad habit of being like, I really like this show. I wonder what's coming up next, and then I'll go on Wikipedia and watch all and read all of the plot. That's what Seth does. Yeah. 
So I don't care. You can totally talk about Adventure Time. Well, we won't then. Seth does the exact same thing. So I'm playing Final Fantasy. Seth is a bigger Final Fantasy fan than I have ever been. Wow. But Seth at some point was like, I just don't have the time. So I just watch YouTube playthroughs and (laughs) Wikipedia and see what's going on. Because I want to know the ending, but I don't have the money or time. (laughs) Exactly. So Seth does the same thing. I understand that. I've done that with Adventure Time specifically. There's just so many episodes and I haven't. I don't like watch it on TV. Man, I watch it on I don't give services. a toot. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't give a damn. So I basically have watched faithfully the first four seasons, speckled the next four seasons, and then the last few seasons and then the finale. And it I have watched crazy. every episode of Adventure Time. I'm not kidding. Wow. Yeah. Every crazy. single, even when they get all pixeled, even the specials, even the Minecraft one, even the last one, Elementals, I've watched every. Elemental is so good. I've watched every episode of Adventure Time and X-Men from the 90s. It's great. I've watched every episode I'm of Adventure Time. I'm not a hero. I, and we used to be like that, all of us here with Simpsons, right? Up until about season 12, season 13. I, I'd, say, like I'd say I carried it to season, I carried it to season 15, 16 before wow. I started to lose it. So. Wow. Good They're for you. still going. Yeah. It's crazy. I just watched an episode. They're like, what if Marge is uh, Superman? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. What if Homer divorces Marge, but not really? Yes. Right. Yeah. There's so much. Homer being a bad husband. Which which is, this is throwing Kelly under the bus. She hates, and and I will admit, ever since I've married her, I'm starting to hate it too, uh, shows that don't matter at the end. So she didn't play video games, but sort of the Super Mario 2 scenario that, like, <laughs> I can understand hey, that. it doesn't matter. It was all a dream. And so she liked Star Trek growing up, um, specifically Star Trek Voyager. But to her, hmm. any episode that was a time paradox, that was an alternate reality. In the uh, computer doing a Sherlock Holmes episode. I get that. If yeah. it didn't progress the plot or, like, grow their characters, she was out. So That's interesting. I totally understand that. Sometimes I'm like, why are we even doing this? You know, watching shows and stuff like that. Right. I totally get it. Especially playing games. Um, like I've played games like Mario 2 or um, several other games where I go, really? It was just a dream? Really? Right. Or you play Chrono Trigger and beat it on the hardest way possible just to ruin your friend's life. <laughs> Not even because I like the game, but just have to experience the story. I didn't care. I just wanted to ruin someone's life. Oh man, Chrono Trigger still brings back weird, nostalgic memories. And I know I wasn't a part of the video game, but like sitting around that campfire with your full party, ugh, brutal. Oh, I didn't see that part because I beat it. (laughs) No, no, no. I I will say this. At one point, I got on my phone. And played it beginning to end. Yeah, you And beat it. it on nine other endings just to ruin his life more. <laughs> so, Gavin. Yes. Back to the original question. You were born in, or at least raised in, early life in Marina, California? Yeah, born in Salinas. Then, uh, then yeah, early life, Marina, California. And then when my parents divorced, we did uh, summers and Christmas down in Marina and then school year up here. Okay. Until probably I was like 16. Born in Salinas, because is that the closest hospital? <clears throat> At the time, it was, yeah. Brutal. Goodness gracious. No, not really. I mean, I 
They have a hospital next to the mall in Salinas because I thought that's all that was there. No, there's there's more than Northridge, um, but hmm. Northridge is of course the cool mall that's there. Uh, you know, I, I just vacationed back down there, and you know, I go every like one year or two years, and uh, two years ago I went, and I was like, there is few things that are sadder than when you're kind of a mall rat and you go back to your hometown mall and it's declining. Uh, <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah, and then you go back. And it's revitalizing, and you're like, this is awesome. Like, I'm so happy. So, really? Yeah. Doing and, some revitalization in Salinas, huh? Yeah. That mall is, is getting a total makeover. And, and we went on vacation this last uh, – a couple months ago, and they had that Build-A-Bear thing for, like, the cost of your children, which is like – It's like a special day, right? Yeah. Which, like, let's be honest. Like, the materials to make those things are probably the cost honest. that we paid. Um, <laughs> and so – but it was cool because we were in Salinas – and it was still a crazy line because everybody's driving in from, from like a 20 mile radius to come to Northridge, but we still got one because we only had to wait in line for three and a half hours. Wait. All right. <laughs> Hold right. on. That sounds, <laughs> sounds so like a victory, amazing. doesn't it, parents? <laughs> so here's why. So I Behemoth bring this up. was a real monster. Leviathan was a real monster, right? Biblically speaking. That is the question. I want to know. Is Behemoth and Leviathan, A, just normal creatures, but we're going to condescend people from Old Testament, or B, are they symbols of chaos versus order? Symbols and not literal, yeah, is what not you're li- saying. Like, is Leviathan just a symbol of chaos and God can restrain it, like certain nerds would say, or is it awesome? All right, I'm going to say that I don't know. But it's one of three options. Uh, so A, are these real? Um, possibly. Uh, and Leviathan specifically is mentioned not just in Job, but in, uh, the Psalms. And I think a creature like Leviathan is mentioned in other, um, extra biblical texts. So it could be real. Uh, two. Yeah, the great sea monster, I think, right? Yeah, is the, what great, you're talking the about? great sea monster that God created simply to frolic. So God creates this majestic beast to just destroy ships and the reason that god created him is he likes to watch him play with the ships like that's that's why god created leviathan number two would be um that it is a chaos monster or or a chaos creature which there are several of those listed in scripture which you can take any way you want you can take it as the people of the time were still coming out of a fear um fear power culture and so like with an animistic spiritual culture they were afraid of these creatures it could be that um and or it could be that this is how they explain things and then the third one which we just got to throw out there is what if um, this was their way of describing a creature that they had that we would either, A, let, that we would say, yeah, we know that creature too. We wouldn't describe it with this poetic language, but we have that too. Or B, it's a creature that either is extinct now or is hiding um, is possible. So and- you said three possibilities, but just mentioned about seven. Yeah. And I didn't even mention D. Or eight, um, which is, uh, which is like the Hoven theory of, um, it could be their definition of dinosaurs. Um, and like the main reason for that being that we call them dinosaurs, 
But there, there are some theories that's like, yeah, but then there were these things called dragons for several thousand years. And then before those things called dragons, there were these chaos monsters described like Behemoth and Leviathan. And, and Leviathan reads like a dragon. Like he reads like a dinosaur, like a dragon, but it's a sea creature. And so it's unique even among what we know. But yeah, so it could be any of those possibilities. Um, but so neither even, are Brontosaurus. <clears throat> All right. No, Not, here's the thing that I want to. I've always said that the behemoth is brontosaurus. Gosh, we should look it up in that Bible. Um, so behemoth it describes as like in the water, hanging out in the swamp. Right. Having a tail like a swinging cedar. Right. Which Gavin has some additional Hebrew around the word tail. But, and then it also, it's, is it the same place where it talks about the behemoth where it's like sparks and fire come from his mouth? I no. thought that was Leviathan. That's that, Leviathan. That's Leviathan. Okay. Okay. So. Because alligators breathe fire. There's one. No. Hold, hold on. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so there's one perspective held by your brother Jeb, Seth, that says, oh, the, the behemoth is clearly a hippo. And I go, wait a minute. The His tail is swinging like a cedar, a hippo. Hippos have curly pigtails. Right. Isn't it like three inches and they just poop at them? Yeah, they just like spin them <laughs> like, around to fling Like Ace Ventura when nature calls. Yes, In exactly. one of the still most disturbing movie scenes in all of modern cinema. Oh my gosh, that was probably the funniest point. Yes. Of my entire childhood. There's nothing better than watching your mom crack up at scenes that, as a kid, you know she should be saying an example for. And yeah. so when you go with your mom to watch Ace Venture in the theater, and she's the one turning red and cracking up, like, that's a good day. <laughs> that is a good day. So, Gavin, you have a way that the behemoth description in Job could be a hippopotamus, right? Okay. I haven't checked this for a while, so... And as I've been learning through our, our recent sermon series, I'm like, wow, there's a lot about Jesus's teachings I didn't know about. Um, it's possible that the word tail could mean genitalia. And apparently... Hold hippo- the phone. Wait, what? <laughs> now you have my attention. Yeah, now I do. Um, yeah. So if that's true, which I would have to look that up, and, and there are better people at Hebrew for the me, but now that I have some resources and know how to study it a little better, if that's true, apparently that's matches the hippo's um, biology. Penis? Biology a little bit more. Yes, we can call it what it is. Uh, and so, so hippos saying, swing huge pipes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they're saying, yeah. Yeah. A hippo. Oh, imagine the hippo. And all of this is saying, like, God is saying, imagine my creation. Here's things that are cool. The space, the earth, the mountains. The hippo A land. donkey. And then he's going, imagine a hippo. The way its dong swings like a tree. Donkeys have a terrific sense of humor, just so you know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's so true. So that's one possibility. But nobody has been able to defend that to me quite well. Alligator. Seems possible because that's a cedar-like tail. I can and it I hangs out. In can the- I say something? Because I usually don't compromise. Um, <laughs> Gavin, so let let me get down to brass taxes. Um, I have no problem with if you can theologically and even historically look at the Hebrew or themes of the Bible and go, "Hey, they're not what you think, Seth." 
What I have an issue is when people look at the behemoth and Leviathan and say, well, they couldn't be that. I go, why? They go, well, come on, that's a little out there. I don't like when their argument is based on this American kind of, okay, we're kind of in line, really monsters. I'm like, dude, you believe in a Trinity God. You believe in angels with wings and flaming swords. All these prophecies in Ezekiel, but it's too much to believe in these crazy creatures that God created. I have no problem with you saying like, oh, well, the translation might mean this or might mean this. Or I studied Hebrew. I go, oh, that's a legitimate argument versus, well, come on. I think we're kind of a little more in line than that. I go, dude, you can't say I believe in angels, but not demons. You can't go, oh, there's a three in one God and these figures in Ezekiel who are moving at the speed of light, but then go, but monsters, that's a little far fetched. I'm all, he can make angels, but he can't make dragons. He yeah, can, that's silly. it's like saying, I'll believe in unicorns, but Bigfoot, that's a little silly. I'm like, so I'm okay as long as it's an argument not ingrained with Western snobbery of we're so much smarter than these primitive folk. Right. Like, you actually brought up something that go, oh, maybe it is the wang of a hippo. Yeah. I don't know. But if you go, come on, you think God would do that? I'm like, dude, the Bible has weird stuff. Right. I'm sorry. There's stuff where I go, a lion talking to him. They go, yeah, the lion... You know, well, no, the donkey's talking to him, warning him. And you go, okay, well, surely God wouldn't just kill the guy for listening to another man of God telling him to come here. No, he would. And the lion mauls him and the donkey's talking. And we're okay with that. But we go, a monster? I'm like, dude. I mean, I do wonder, what if it was a dinosaur? What if it was, what if dragons instead of some mythical thing? What if it was a type of dinosaur? I don't know. I just don't like the snobbery. Which Sean is guilty of on every... So so here's... And and kind of to that point. So I'll I'll just go with... um, This is a pretty good footnote for that discussion, which is... This is from the NET Bible, um, which you can find on net.bible.org or on YouVersion now. So here's the note they give it with... It makes its tail stiff. Um, (laughs) The verb occurs only here. It may have the meaning to make stiff, to make taunt... Uh, the Septuagint and the Syriac versions support this, but there is another Arabic word that could be cognate, meaning arch or bend. This would give the idea of the tail swaying. The other reading seems to make better sense here. However, Stiff presents a serious problem with the view that the animal is the hippopotamus. Sean, so, Stiff. I've actually cleaned that up a little bit. You can go to net.bible.org and read Sean, are you aware notes. there's a third creature in Hebrew mythology? What is it? So there's there's the behemoth, there's the leviathan. There's also a bird-like monster. Oh, yeah. In Hebrew mythology. And they go, well, the Bible's actually saying this, but you have to, like he said. So when I studied to preach on Jephthah, and I always tell people this, I'm not saying it's infallible word of God, but it's good to kind of see some of the rabbinic commentary in that day just to get their opinion of, okay, what did they kind of view? What did they think at that time? And I was looking in that with Jephthah and you get into the, is it Midrash or Midrash? I... I don't know. Rash. We're so, going to say rash. So to, I, to our Jewish listeners, we apologize. So, so. I, I was reading from uh, the Torah. I was reading from the Midrash. Um, I was reading different, because um, they break it down kind of. And then you can look up rabbinic commentary. One big guy is Rashi. He was a French uh, rabbi. And you look at different stuff. But if you get into some of that literature, it's that, would you call that extra biblical literature? What would you call that? Or just rabbinic literature or the stuff outside the Bible? Like you have... You have the Torah. Historical commentary. Historical commentary would be, I think, a really conservative thing. Extra biblical. Extra biblical just means outside no. of the Bible. Okay, so it's 
But it could be apocryphal. If it's apocryphal, that would be like Baruch and Maccabees. It wasn't, so it wasn't apocryphal. It was more, so I would just say outside, I, I put rabbinical text and extra. But um, yeah, there's a third creature, a bird. I can't remember the bird's name, right. though. It's a bird monster. It was just, I don't There's know. a fourth one, too. And, and it's, it's, there's a fourth? Also named uh, Rahab. Like the Like the girl. Oh, yeah, the great sea monster Rahab, yeah, right? Yeah, the great sea monster Rahab. And so that is what gives some credence to it being a chaos monster. So, and here's here's what I like about Like, hmm. I don't think that there would be a, a huge critic that says, oh, you have to make up your mind. I think that if there was something that was definitively definitively shown, sure, that's great. But when I read, when I was a kid, a picture book of animals that have since gone extinct, if you told me a week before that, that once upon a time there were bulls and cows that were the size of school buses, I would say, no, you're, you're joshing with me. There's no such thing. But they were. They were called the Auroras, and we made them extinct in the 1300s. Just freaking cow bulls out in Europe grazing around. And so, like... So cool. Yeah, and so I have no problem... I have no problem looking at the Job animals and saying, if they were real animals, they might be extinct. Um, they might have names. Maybe they are, are talking about uh, real animals poetically. But I would say... Neither of them give clear indications of what these are, just how powerful they are compared to animals we have today. And so, yeah, I think that, I think that people that say automatically, um, well, this is this and, and that's that, um, they have a problem. Um, and I think that, you know, that even goes into our age of right now. For 300 years ago, for a while, it was reason. Nothing trumps reason. If scripture doesn't agree with reason, it doesn't work anymore. So now mm. it's science. If we can't show the Bible and science lining up, then it's not true. Uh, and, and I just think that first off, that's unfair considering how often the Bible has been proven right archaeologically down the road. Um, second, <clears throat> even atheists have defended it as saying, yeah, th- there's a group that have now said, well, this storytelling by Abraham saying that he had camels, that's inaccurate because we don't show any evidence of there being camels in that land yet at that date. And an atheist even saying, yeah, but this was an oral culture that they're trying to communicate that Abraham is a very rich man with lots of herds. Like that's what they're trying to communicate that people that automatically say, Oh, I think I found an error. Um, or, or like my favorite recently was the chart. That's like, look at the 400,000 contradictions in the Bible. And they kind of do it the same way that subway does when they're like, we have 26,000 options. You can get Turkey on white. Turkey on wheat, yeah. turkey on sourdough, that mm. they took one error in one manuscript and said, and look, this is different from the 26,000 other manuscripts. So look, there's 26,000 errors in the Bible right there. Well, yes. it's really one. What is, okay, so, because um, I was looking it up. So I've read some stuff from the Torah, the Midrash, the Tanakh. Where do you get this fourth chaos creature? Was that just general rabbinic literature? Was it from the Midrash? Was no, it's it- in the Bible. I'll look it up. Where are it? So it actually Rahab is. Rahab the sea monster. Yeah, I think Rahab? that's in. Um, so it's I not the same as joke. Leviathan. It's different. Different. Maybe it may be Leviathan's proper name. I don't know. Rahab is never given a um, an honorable. <clears throat> while you're while you're looking that up, Gavin, I want to bring up one other Job again. Extra biblical thing, or sl- slightly. Job talks about um, in the same thing where God's saying, "Hey." Here's who I am. Here's my character. Who are you, Job? 
And he says, do you know the Leviathan? Do you know the behemoth? He ta- Do you know Rahab? He says all those things. He also says, can you loosen Orion's belt? Speaking of Orion, the constellation, right? Right. And the Pleiades and the bear. And the Pleiades, yeah. And yeah, Ursa. And so all these people would say like, oh, looking at stars, like star worship and cosmology. Is that right? Cosmology? Cosmetology? Cos- cosmetology? Ast- astrology? Astrology. All that stuff is... You can tell we're really into this stuff. I know. If you talk to somebody who has this Christian defense where they immediately have come to the defense of the Bible, they say anything dealing with constellations is like the... What are those 12 signs of the... Like Zodiac. I'm a Scorpio? Yeah, 12. It's immediately like witchcraft. And we need to dismiss it. But actually, God says he put... Pleiades in their place. He put Orion in his place. He put the bear in its place. And I actually named my son's middle name Orion after that because in the Talmud, which is extra biblical, uh, not the Midrash, what's the what's the earlier one? Oh, jeez. <clears throat> it doesn't uh, matter. In you mean early, the Gemara or the... I think maybe they, something and they, like that. And the, the beautiful thing about those teachings is that they expand. Yeah. Cause it, cause it's the continuing commentary. There's like commentary. Yeah. So they, it's in, not just the verse. It's the rabbinic commentary on right. the verse. In yeah. an early Talmud, it's tanit basically was setting. was a tanit. T-A-A-N-I. Tanakh. You know, Tanakh means Bible, right? Talmud chapter, Talmud chapter one, tanit four A. See, it starts getting into subsections. And some of this on my app, it actually showed some of this still wasn't fully translated even to English. Yeah. It's crazy. See. So right, Orion, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Orion, the, the constellation, Orion, right? The three things on his belt and he's got the sword, which also could be a dong. Speaking of, <laughs> since no. we're talking about that, um, huh. the Talmud says that Orion is the garter of the boundaries of the universe, that Orion was put there to keep people from exceeding the boundaries of the universe and even Orion could be the angel with the flaming sword keeping people from entering Eden. Real? Where was this? That's For, crazy. That was in the Talmud? That's a Talmud. Yeah, that's like a Talmudic saying. And so Jeez. so when Job <clears throat> brings up Orion, the Jewish mind would have thought of Orion, the garter of the boundaries of the universe. And I thought that was super cool. So I decided to make that my son's middle name. Right. A lot cooler than my name, which I think you traditionally... Alan! <laughs> yeah. So, no, uh, uh, because don't you name your son, your first son, your name is their middle name? Isn't that how it's supposed You're to be? supposed to, but I didn't do that. I yeah. didn't either, because Orion's way cooler. Because mm. of that. And so imagine, one, obviously, this could be figurative, and um, and maybe it's just like God saying... Oh, these stars I put in this order that you can tell it looks like a warrior. Which, if he did, you know, he could have added some more stars to make a little more definition, to make it a little less uh, ambiguous. But, whatever. I don't know how God works. However, God's saying there's a warrior in the sky that you recognize as the warrior Orion with a sword and a belt. In the sky... Like, do we have to immediately say, oh, that has to be figurative. There's no warrior in the, in the sky. Like, it could be. There could be an actual guy. Battling the prince of Persia. There was an actual, like, right. entity for, I don't know, I'm just saying. 
I'm just spitballing here, folks. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So that's why I can't be a post or a amillennial because they make too many things figurative. To to quote the you the pre-millennial uh, traitor, de- <laughs> both to, of you. To quote the demi saint C.S. Lewis ah. uh, from the Chronicles of Narnia, where he says, um, at some point they're talking about stars, and one of the mass. I thought they were just big flaming balls of gas, um, and and Aslan or one of the stars <laughs> replies. Uh, that's that. That's true, but that's not all there is to a star. And oh. other works, C.S. Lewis has even said, "Yeah, we don't actually know because we can't get close enough to actually see." Like, and so it's and and so a scientist might might listen to that. Okay, like we actually have a lot of research. That's true. Um, but my gas is always burning. <laughs> your gas is always burning. The other day, I tried to relate food to energy as gas in a car. And Simon said, uh, I don't have gas, but I fart gas. And then he ran off. <laughs> Amen. He gets so, uh, it. Him he and understands Seth. the gospel. Seth's furious butthole has, has tainted our <laughs> friendship for years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, should we get into a discussion? Farts are so intense. They're, well, they really... Wasn't there um, some explorer who got executed because he farted <laughs> in the presence of the queen? Which, you know what, queen, lighten up. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I we just all do it. In front of queens. <laughs> we go before royalty and let go our flatulence. I, I know men who have been married for decades that have never passed gas in front of their wives. I know. I tried for like slaves the first to two years. I did that. not. I did when we were dating. That is honor. We were dating, and I was like, whatever. <laughs> I tried, and I remember one of the dates. I, I didn't control it. It just came out, and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I was like, Put look ash, upon your sovereign. Ash and sackcloth over your head. I, I felt bad. You know, that was the whole upbringing from the whole, like, from the whole Honor Academy era of, like, chivalry. Like, what was it? Statesmanship. Like, a lot of it's really You're, good. I don't know. But some of it, unfortunately, was sort of, like, extra credit. I tried because I was taught, like, you, in a marriage, like, you have to make sacrifices. And one of the sacrifices is you can't appear to have bodily functions. Right. And so you have to hide those things. And it was brutal. Well, your your chest starts to hurt. <laughs> I danced half naked in front of servant girls to test my wife's heart. I just danced, worshipped the Lord. And if she got jealous, I put a curse upon her. <laughs> A pox. A pox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, both our houses. <laughs> I have a discussion that I'm curious if you guys are uh, interested to have since both of you chimed in on it on Facebook. What? Or other places. Uh, what is it? I. How you know I'm still on Facebook? I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious about uh, comfort and prosperity and the effect that that has on the human psyche, specifically Mm. like as a parent. So as a parent, I'm trying to raise my son, right? And I want to raise my son to be a strong man. I want to raise my son to be a man who stands up for injustice or stands up against injustice, I guess I should say. Stands for it. I am the Injustice League. Yeah. I want to raise my son to like, take care of people or fight for people who don't have the means to fight for themselves. I want to raise my son to be courageous and to do things, even though he's afraid because it's the right thing. I want to raise my son to know what the right thing is. And it seems like 
it, we've all been going through the book of Judges recently in our church, and it seems like comfort and prosperity does more to spoil a person than it does to help them. And so in my classic anti-nuanced position, I want to know what is the right way to raise a kid? Do you raise a kid in complete prosperity? Make sure that the kid doesn't have to go undergo anything difficult, do their homework for them, um, have an, a, a, an RV, you know, so that they don't have to like sleep on the ground when they go camping. Do you do all these things or do you do nothing for them because they didn't earn it and they're just little money grubbing bastards? Is there somewhere in the middle? Does comfort play into how a child is raised or whatsoever? And obviously, since we're all mid thirties, we should be experts in this since our kids are, are five and you have spiders younger. in here. You have spiders. Sorry, I know it's a time of year. It's spider time of year. So I'm curious about this, and I guess let me lay the framework. Eric Gavin Gog. would love to answer. Recently, Eric Gog crawling up your arm. <laughs> oh gosh! Recently, Before you know, you we've had a couple of uh, like mass shootings in the United States of America. Oh, good. Yeah. Let's, and let's go with this. Can we talk about something less controversial, like abortion? Maybe <laughs> it's interesting because should some gay people, refugees be allowed to have abortion? My, on social media, I post, but I really don't read very often because when I do, I get into arguments. Right? Seth? <laughs> no. And Seth told me to stop, so I stop. So I just give. I just post. I I I except for two things: black people Twitter and Irish Irish Twitter. <laughs> Those are the things that I I have to read on a daily basis. And black people Twitter made a very good point when, I mean, recently, I think we've had six school shootings or six mass shootings, not school shootings in the past year in 2018. And black people Twitter keep bringing up, they go, once again, not a black kid, not a kid from uh, a difficult family. It's a affluent and a prosperous individual. Columbine, he had like 10 friends. Yeah, Columbine. The kids were rich. The guy who shot up the video game. Because um, he lost. Thing, that he, was it. Because he, was he like, lost. Yeah, and he was he was like a trust fund kid. Um, the, the, uh, what was the one in Florida? At the gay nightclub? Yeah, the, the, yeah, what it was, was that it? It was, it was a gay, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a gay, it was a uh, he. That was the one that had lots of deaths. That was a huge body count. That was and so so it was like Pulse nightclub or something like that. Or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I feel bad Pulse. because I probably should, but I don't. It, it was it was Pulse, and that was two years ago, I think. Yeah, well, we're dissensive. Uh, no, and continue, so there's just continue, been a lot. Right? Yeah, there, it seems like the majority. And again, this is from non-experts who just like see these things on the news. A.K. And my blog. Yeah, but it does seem like. Comfort and prosperity do, to some degree, contribute to a child not understanding what things are important and what things are things to just, like, let go of. I don't want to raise my son to the point where he gets so frustrated at losing a video game that he shoots up a whole arena. Well, yeah, I mean... (laughs) I mean, uh, well, I mean... 
I hope that I don't do that. Yeah, if this geez. happens in the future one day, I still forgive him or whatever. I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. It's not okay to do that. <laughs> I'm not saying you're saying that. But I'm that. trying to... <laughs> I want to love my son either way. So I'm curious your guys' perspective on this because recently I have been hanging out with my son and being very intentional about spending time with my son doing fun things together. I that. (laughs) So should I do that or should I just say, you know what, son, I need to just put you outside all day. You don't come home till the streetlights come on and figure it out. If you get molested, it's all right. We've all been molested, whatever, you know. That is a big leap. I know, logic, but this I is think. these are the th- this is the wisdom I, I hear from a lot right, of people. I, do you want to go first or me, Gavin? Because I feel like we have a brother here who we need counsel and love. We need a soul care him. You get no, you we can, need to take care of Gavin. I wait. Oh, I was talking about you, oh, fool. <laughs> Gavin, do you want to go first or me? I can't see you behind the yeah. mic. It's so. <laughs> I know. I, I I found this perfect He's spot that if I, <laughs> All I if see I eyes st- and- <laughs> sit right here, it's like we can see your just talking to somebody that's not even there. They're oh, like, I need answers. Gavin, I want since I asked the question, I want you to go first. All right. So let's. Uh, there's so much here. Um, yeah. So much here. I'm I'm just gonna answer sporadically, and since so many other topics have been brought up. Um, <laughs> That's like, the way to do it. First, Samson. From what we can tell, Samson's parents are good parents. And, and Samson's just a rough guy. Um, and I think that part of the reason that that story is there is, is meant as a, a tragic mercy to parents to say, hey, you could do everything right and your kid grow up and, and be horrible. Yeah. Um, Ugh. like second, uh, Hitler. Um, yeah, it went right to Hitler. Yeah, wow, that lot, was quick. A lot of, a lot, well, I mean, we, we're already at school shootings. <laughs> we're already at all this other stuff. So, we're talking about abortion. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but let's, like, there's so many factors behind Hitler. There's no excusing what he did. But if we do look at his childhood, we see that he has a father that treats him with, with sometimes just full neglect, other times abuse. And a lot of Hitler's early sentiments were in rebellion to who his father was. Like, he's an Austrian. Hitler goes for German unification. Um, he is a public official, uh, mid-level public official. Hitler says, no, down with that, and, and leans towards fascism later in his life. Um, I, you wonder, like, there's no way to know, and again, to quote the, uh, the demigod, Slash Saint C.S. Lewis. It, it's not for us to know what could have happened. Um, but you do wonder what would have happened if his father had treated him with kindness. Um, much like another German who is famous named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who at one point, after raising up all these Christian evangelicals and learning about the gospel, when he came to America to do seminary and, and hung out with, with uh, American blacks, um, who one day decides that he's a pacifist, but he decides that he needs to help to assassinate Hitler because he would rather do evil than be evil. Um, Jeez. and he re, and so, but his father loved him and, and in that German kind of stiff upper, what's like a stiff upper lip for a German? Is that so like German and Dutch are very a much tightly combed a and, and, and here's the thing. I, I can only speak German from experience. Is so much fun. I'm Corey German, but even like, I, I really think there's a cultural thing. 
from what I know of my father and my opa, not my grand grandpa to opa, they have this very reserved and, and the generation now may be different. If you go to Rotterdam or Amsterdam, but back then it seemed as very much this reserved, even when my uncles would come from Netherlands to visit, it was a very reserved stoic culture. And you're not going to get, if you're a more charismatic, super emotional person, you're not going to get a ton of huge outward expressions of emotion. They're very, their jokes were dry. They're, they're very, and it's not that they're hateful. They're very reserved and held back. And it almost was esteemed to be a very, okay, you, you're not giving too much. You keep it, was it close to the, uh, close to the cuff or was it you keep it close? Close to the chest. Close, close to, to the chest. chest. Very, it was almost, uh, rewarded to be like now i don't know the culture now i i didn't grow up in netherlands but even my uncle would come in erwin he's this huge tall val kilmer looking guy he uh his jokes would be so dry and reserved and even when he showed appreciation to me it was very quiet very stoic not make a lot of noise so i think that's a dutch german and to some degree i think maybe even slavic thing maybe even uh, Eastern European too, a little bit like if you go Ukraine, I don't think they're very bombastic with their emotions. Right. If that's the word, they're very held back. Mm-hmm. I, I feel part of that's culture. I don't know, but that's just from the family I know. But so, and I, they're all high. I guess what I'm saying is, is I'm not trying to make a sweeping generalization. I've known that's my job. Thank you. I've known kids whose mom, Seth, we grew up with this kid. You can, you know, who I'm thinking of. And he just always had a really difficult time. And even when he was a good kid, he would always get in trouble. Things would be bad. His grandma would take care of him. He yeah, didn't. His mom yeah. and dad were working, so it his grandma would take care of him. It was kind of heartbreaking. I don't mean it, but it was kind of heartbreaking, right? Yeah, absolutely. Bit, yeah. His grandma's always on meth. You know, you could always tell. Like, and I didn't get it at the time. I was always like, why is like his grandma? It's always like she's like has a Jolly Rancher in her mouth. But she didn't actually, you know, and she's like always like animated like a young Michael J. Fox or something. And it's like, oh, as I grow up, I go, oh, yeah, she was on meth constantly. But he grew up into, I think, a very decent individual. Not a Christian. I would agree. Yeah. Not a Christian, but a very decent individual. Moral by secular standards. Yeah. So I'm not talking about emotional availability from the parents or if the parents were good parents, like Gavin, you said Samson's parents were good parents. I'm talking literally about material comfort or I don't know a better way to say it, but like things like having a pool, having your parents buy you a car, uh, not having to having an inheritance, like having money, young without having to work for it those types of things so much is caught not taught um zing the Mm. like you can be rich um and you can come from rich parentage but your kids notice are you giving to the poor how do you speak about the poor um how do you treat other people's things um I think that there is a reality too that you have to parent them and and let them work for uh, um their their money, their riches, what have you. But I think that I, I feel like I, I was blessed that um after a time my, my mom being married to my stepdad that I was blessed with a with a pretty comfortable life. Hmm. Um and I, I chafed at it at the time, 
but there were things that my stepdad did that shaped me into a much better person, um, making me pay for my own things, being responsible at my work. Hmm. When I worked at his furniture store, like treating me just like all the other employees and, and not giving me any privileges over them. Hmm. Um, those things. And, and then I still cared about the business because it was our family business. If we had a horrible month, yeah, something flew I watched that into happen. Seth's. It was like a moth or yeah. something. What is right. going on? I'm know, sorry, man. Gavin. I'm not even, I haven't even summoned them with my <laughs> black magic. <laughs> sorry. Oh. Continue. Yeah. Um, and so, I think that a lot of it is just that intentionality and realizing, yeah, like you can't just hand. And I think that it even goes to just the wisdom of the Proverbs, which isn't ex- like, if we're honest, like wisdom is not always exclusive to scripture. We would say all, all the, all of the scripture is God breathed, but then we would also say all of truth is God's truth. And over and over and over, we see, no, you, you have to discipline your kids. Yeah. Discipline is grace. Because it's it's a loving hand. In Hebrews, we're told that God's discipline means that he actually cares about you. And, and how wow. terrifying is that to think that it is – if God – if you're sinning and God has done nothing, you should really ask the question of why he's done nothing. Because the times that God displays open, active wrath in Scripture are very unique and sometimes separated by hundreds of years – how God normally works is that lack of discipline. And so we discipline our kids. We tell them the way that they should go. But I also think that we, we address, like, I, I was seeing this and studying this, this, um, morning that kids don't learn guilt until much later. They learn shame much later or shame much earlier. And, I think as parents, regardless of, you know, to enter into another debate, if we can just bring all of them up tonight of homeschooling versus public school, um, regardless of what you do, we have a world that teaches a narrative that says that you evolved. There's no eternal life. You were not created by an intentional creator. There's no design. And you combine that with a lot of people who already innately feel shame. If you think you're worthless, like what end could you go if you have nothing to lose and nothing to gain um and you just want to do something what would you do versus parentage as christians and and this is true i think of of the abrahamic religions that first off you were made in the image of god mm. that means that means something and guess what your fellow man they're also made in the image of god and then when when they treat other image bearers of God, regardless of who they are, with, with cruelty or with despite or anything, we discipline them because we want to teach them from an early age that you don't mess with the image of God. Because messing mm. with the image of God is an assault on God himself. It's the sin inside of us that wants to strike out against our creator because of that bent that we have, which is what I was watching Bible Project, and that's the word for iniquity, that we're bent. Um, huh. And And then... We say, secondly, if you would, if you'd accept his invitation, God will adopt you as a son and you will behave as a son. And so in, in Matthew, the passage that the church that we all go to is going through this week, um, you can reverse the order of the verse and it almost makes more sense. You can start it with be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Uh, therefore give kindness to everybody. Because God does not hold back kindness from anybody. He gives rain and sunshine to the just and the unjust. Wow. Therefore, 
uh, do not hold back from anybody. And so to God, to be perfect like God is, is to give honor because we know that honor can't be taken from us first as image bearers of God. And second is those that are loved by God through Jesus Christ. Uh, now will our, all of our kids accept Jesus? Unfortunately, no. Um, but we can raise them in that. Um, and they see that too. And so, you know, the first time we passed a homeless person, Simon asked me, um, why won't that, that guy looks dirty. Uh, why doesn't he just go home? And, you know, at the time, I think he was young for, which if, if you don't have kids yet, it's weird, but for like just being four and four and six months are drastically different. And I I was trying to explain to him, Simon, there are people who do not have homes, uh, and they are just, uh, they're just as human and just as unique as each and every one of us. And we are to show kindness and compassion. And if we have the means, support them financially. Um, and, and just kind of talk to him about that a little bit. And, and what I've seen is he, he absorbed that. He took that in. Um, and, and it is caught, not taught. Um, and I, I know that, uh, like we're parents, we're sinners. Me and me and Kelly have had to at times be like, "Hey, I think Simon and Isaac are listening. We have to be careful how we talk about others, and we're complaining to each other." But like mm, these kids yeah. are a good barometer that we need to stop. And, and today he was talking about, yeah, a student did this in class, and I was like, "Well, who was it, buddy?" And he said, "Ah, it's not important." Um, and I I think that he's picking nice. up on his own. Don't rat. We don't. First, don't rat. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> That's but, right. And then third, though, that he he has an honor code mm, that is awesome. that is by. So I'm not doing it perfectly by any means. I wish I was a lot. I wish I was less angry. Like just because I don't want to see my son see me brooding all the time. <clears throat> I don't want him to tie pastor and brooding together. Oh yeah. Um, like I, I'm not naive. Like teenagers are gonna be rough for all three of our kids now. Um, <laughs> nah. Like, yeah. but the but then. I'll admit my own flesh as a, as a paid pastor that there's a fear because I, I take seriously that one of the qualifications for my job and my calling is that my children would not be unruly. Right. Um, and he's not that age of unruliness yet, but he will be one day. And selfishly, I'm like, I hope he turns out okay. But unselfishly, I'm just like, Hey, I have to do the best I can in my own power. I have to recognize that this is why the Bible was wholly unique because it said the sins of the father are not the sins of the sons and vice versa. Right. Um, and then a whole other host of issues, spiritual warfare, psychology, shame, culture, like all of these things are, are, are forming factors on top of the fact that they're made in the image of God and they have their own individual souls. So I think it's complicated. And then we're just ultimately left back to, we've just got to trust God as best as we can repent as often as we can. And then there are some things we can do to help. Um, relationship with parents is one of the biggest factors for success growing up. Um, another key factor of success is by the time of teenage years, having solid friendships with adults outside of their parents, um, that they're like trustees. So in a, in a healthy sense, uncles can be this if they're healthy. So, Like and, and I don't know any just, uncles. We're just we're just having a wild time. But it, one has like one time, <laughs> one time she she's gonna kill me. It's funny though. Um, one time, like my niece was like, "Hey, um, I quit my job, but I haven't told my mom yet. Don't don't tell her." And I was able to say, "Okay, I won't," um, because it wasn't like a pressing issue, and she was going to. And I was able to say, "I won't," 
Like, let's talk about that, though. I think you made a horrible mistake. <laughs> like, like, what do you think work is? Right. Like, you got to chew your gravel at some point. But, but that gave her the chance to talk to an adult um, that wasn't going – that had no authority to be punitive towards mm, her. Yeah, and, that's and, good. Like, and so that's an important factor. Like, truly the church is an important factor or other, other healthy communities are a factor. Eating eating dinner, uh, article I read said, yeah, kids are on their phones all the time, but guess where they learn that from? Um, I don't know. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Seth's looking at his phone right now. Hey, when you say caught, not taught. Yeah, that is Kyle Bateson. That is... And probably Dwayne Bateson. Yeah, that's probably from the Bateson lineage. Yep. That, what you're saying is that kids are more influenced by things that they see their parents doing compared to things that their parents sat down and actually taught them, right? So it's like the opposite of the sentiment of do what I say, not what I do, right? essentially. I mean, think of all the unintentional lessons you teach your kids. I mean, let's go backwards. Let's think of all the unintentional lessons we learned from our parents. Yeah, that's what Be- I'm thinking. Because some of the things they told us, yeah, they told us sporadically, but some of the things they did, they did all the time. Um, that's in Caught, not taught. Ah, Scott's taught. Yeah. That's interesting. And then at the same time, like, I loved a, there's an apologetic book for Muslims called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Wow. And I think, I think his name is Koresh. He died, which is sad. He died very young. Nabil Qureshi? Yeah, Nabil Qureshi. Smart guy. He had debate with Miroslav Volf. Yeah. And and he died recently, which is unfortunate. Um, He left behind a family, but he talked about his family growing up in, in the most loving of terms and how when he like was a baby, the first words that his dad whispered into his ear was, was whatever the statement of faith is for Islam. And wow. I think that we've lost some of that Deuteronomy six. I think it's Deuteronomy six. See, that's how much we've lost it. Yeah, sure. Um, that like we're to talk about these things, um, and, and discuss them and, 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 uh, tell them about the commands of God and, and talk about who God is and stuff like that. And so I've been trying to fix this by whenever I take Simon to school and he's not like bolting in front of me now that I have the proverb of the day kind of pulled up and I've, I've sort of thought through how to break this down to five-year-old language in the hopes that some of it would stick because Proverbs, I think was, ex- was explicitly written to sons. Um, hmm. And so, um Yeah. Like, there's obviously wisdom for both genders, but there's just so much in there about my son, my son, don't go with violent men. My son, don't give in to your lust. My son, don't bring shame to your mother. Um, all things that I've seen in my life and then now see in, in What about his the life. other 58 genders, though? I just... Non-binary? <laughs> no. I only know binary because it's Captain Marvel's other form when she <laughs> levels up. Um, yeah. So, Sean, does that answer your question since you only cared about Gavin's opinion on this? Uh, I think it was really good. I think there's a lot of wisdom (laughs) in – I think the biggest thing that I took away from it was being intentional. Right. And so, in comfort, be intentional about about not only teaching your child about that but displaying it for them. Yeah. But, Seth, if you have anything else to say that and, you didn't already say while I was be- peeing. Before Seth does, because I want to give him uninterrupted time, I think the biggest thing that a pastor has said, besides caught not taught, that has affected my parenting, um, Crosspoint Ministries, but also Ty Neal at Grace Point Church in Las Vegas, he really made the point of, um, you're with your wife, like, hopefully for life, 
but your kids, the analogy that the Bible uses for them is an arrow, um, which means you got to think through first, your time parenting them is finite. And second, your whole intention is to shoot them off into the world. Hmm. Um, and so that's really good. Yeah. And now, now Seth has the mic DJ. You know, what's really funny is cutting <laughs> Seth off right when he starts to speak. I really have a good time doing <laughs> What's that insult you were talking about earlier? Which one? Oh, hold on, hold on, uh, hold on, hold Seth. on. Hold on, this is for Sean, specifically. Uh, but only, listen, don't worry, it's From personal. your perspective, Seth, how would you... Uh... I am not some block-headed brace girdle from Hardbottle. <laughs> Alright? DJ Hardbottle. Not some floozy from Hardbottle. <laughs> Um, no, I don't really have anything to say on that. <laughs> you, you made that conversation so much controversial and then you just flaked on it. Like, I feel like you just ghosted me. Uh, well, here's the thing. I was thinking about something else. No, um, here's the thing. I don't care. <laughs> I have, um, I am just a shell of a man who just, I, I know how to mimic human emotions, so it seems like I care, but really, I'm just this machine of flesh and paper. <laughs> no, here, here's the thing. You're asking this question of like, how do we raise kids? Uh, dude, and, and I look at Eli and I think Samuel, their kids went sideways and you have, uh, Samson. Yep. And, and there's always things. With my son, so I was having a talk with Bobby Grossi. He's in California now. He was an elder at our church and then went, uh, took over a church in California. Good awesome guy. dude. Yeah. Did my wedding. Like kindest guy in the world. Just, I, I'm always pumped to talk to him. He actually called me and we had like a two and a half hour discussion over the phone just cause he wanted to see how I was doing. It was awesome. Uh, cause there's stuff going on with, uh, health with a certain family, a member of mine. And he just, yeah, he, he talked to me. Um, he had talked about how, each generation, it seems, is capturing part of the human experience. Like, World War II was, well, I'm doing it, so it's right. It's like, whatever your hands are doing, it's right. It's like, it's almost like obedience, like, oh, we need to go to war? Well, I'm gonna do it. So it's right. Well, Vietnam comes and they go, well, we're thinking, well, why is it right? Why should we go here? And the generation before him is like, well, why can't you just do what you're told? Well, in the generation raised by Vietnam era, it doesn't just go think. It goes, well, I feel this is right. Hmm. And I think back in the Bible, it's like, love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It's with your logic, with your emotions, and with the core of your being, with the metaphysical, with intangible. And we're all getting just aspects. Like, if you win the Great Depression era, why do you have a son? Well, you need someone to, like, work on the farm. It's more utilitarian. Well, why do you have a son later? Well, because we thought we should reproduce and you're supposed to have family. Now it's, well, because we, if we feel like having a kid. And I think I just, I don't know. This is just me. It's just my opinion. But with Maverick and Riker, I want to go, okay, how can I heart, mind, and soul just reach every aspect of their being and as much as I can from a foundation or basis of biblical or church fathers, try to raise them up to a being who's not perfect, not perfectly sanctified, but someone of, hey, all of my son, I present to you, God. All of my son, I tried to speak to and love. All of my son, I tried to affirm. And even when I rebuke, I'm not just rebuking him to go, I want you to be some 
picture idol of what you should be, but it's because I, I'm pushing back against whatever is not holy, whatever is not the new creation, whatever is not flourishing, and just really seeing how can I bring him up to a man to be a man that in all aspects is giving allegiance to God. And, and just try, and you know what, someone might look back and go, well, you did that wrong. Well, that's, I can only go with what I know, how I was discipled, what my knowledge is, how I feel, what I've been, like, what I've prayed about, what I know of the Bible. And I see, I see heart, mind, and soul. Okay, then I'm going to affirm his feelings, but let him know they're not the authority over everything. I'm going to approve his logic when he tries to think, but let him know that's affected by the fall as well. And then with the spirit and his soul go, okay, this is an aspect that you at some point, regardless of me, need to have a step of faith of, do, do you believe in this king, this messiah? So I'm just trying to meet the fact that humans are more multifaceted than we think and try to speak to that and do my best and know the fact that I don't know that it's possible to be the perfect dad with the perfect answer. But what I can do is I can always repent. I can always listen. I can always speak. And just to best my ability looking constantly of, okay, with what I have and with what God's given me, what he's called me to, how am I working within that range? Because I, I have days where I go, man, like Maverick goes, Dad, that was such a fun day. And I see the joy in his face. And other days he goes, I feel like you're always mad at me. I go, dang it. And so it's just, I don't know. I, I don't have the psychology. I literally just have, I'm trying to look, go, okay, he has a heart, a mind, and soul. How do I affirm when I can, rebuke when I can, correct when I can? But in all things, try to the best my limited ability even give him a shadow of hey uh, i'm trying to show you a little bit of god's love and it's broken in my form in my form it's broken or god's grace which is my imperfect you know presentation of that grace or in god's form all right here's my imperfect presentation of his love for your intellect and heart and just work through all that because I think in, cause I have two boys. I, I can't speak for people who have multiple daughters. I, I just don't want to cause it's, they have this whole thing. Um, I look at the heart of a man and go, we have people who either think it's all emotion and you're falling apart all the time or all machismo and you're fighting all the time. The heart of a man, I want to go, no, I want him to raise to be like, you're the same dude who could fight if he had to for the week but love if he had to when his child is broken and weeping. And I even try to tell him, like, we have kind of our own catechism as a family. I tell him, what is strength for? And Maverick says, to protect those who are weak. And I go, what is compassion for? And, you know, and, and we go through it. I even go, why do we pray? And it's not just to get things from God. He goes, to talk to God and get to know him and be with him. So I don't know. I, I don't know that there's, that's one of those things of like, well, what's the perfect way to raise a kid? Dude, John MacArthur's got a different answer from Russell Moore, who adopted a different answer from Keller, um, a different answer from Joseph Prince, who says they need to give you money. It's like, I don't know. It, it depends. <laughs> Not going for his endorsement anymore, huh? <laughs> Not anymore. No. His hair is whack. Let me. That's fake. I appreciate you guys as fathers, and I think that you guys are doing a great job. And I feel like I don't. I feel like I'm less naturally able to do that and so i want to learn the trick yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and so what i'm saying too i'm i'm genuinely complimenting you guys 
as fathers, you guys are doing great jobs raising your sons. And Gavin, I don't know if we can say this on the podcast, but Gavin's going to be a father of three soon. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Or we're all Christians. I'm a father of three right now. So yeah, it, <laughs> Tyler sorry, sorry, would sorry. love Dang. that. Oh, don't make me have Tyler to be the bad guy. Tyler would love that. I was trying to compliment. Why do you so, not affirm the dignity so, of life, Sean? So I really, I truly respect you guys, which is ridiculous because I'm older than both of you, and I By shouldn't like respect anything. I shouldn't respect anything that you had to say, but unfortunately, I do. And so I want to know your opinion because I literally come to points where I'm like, gosh, am I doing, am I doing this right? Am I doing a good job? And I, am I raising my children? Uh, like, am I being the leader of the household as Christ is the leader of the household? And, you know, sometimes I don't know. So we, I appreciate you guys. We have to, and I think you're doing a great job. I think that. And like, this is where we need community. Like, this is why we need people like Bobby Grossi and Dwayne Bateson. And like, we need Absolutely, those guys yeah. be- because Bobby's like 80 years old and, and no. old balls. Any, any, any ideas that we have, if we're just honest, the reason it feels so uncertain right now is because we haven't finished it. Yeah. Like we're saying I've watered my plants so-and-so way and I hope that it will yield this crop. But ultimately, we have to trust. And and gosh, I mean, we haven't even brought prayer into this. I, I believe so strongly in we see in the Bible that the government has certain rights given to them by God. We see that in James, pastors have the right to pray for the sick and they would be healed. Amen. I think fathers and husbands have the right to pray for their families and to be heard by God. Yes. And I would argue, That's even good. if they're not Christians. That's right. Because wow. that is that is a common grace that God so loves fathers that do that seek his face and desire to raise children and love their wives well Amen. that that he is merciful and that he hears those humble prayers because ultimately i think good husbands and fathers at, at this stage in our lives we're just crying out god help me and he and he yeah. provides help through counsel he provides rest for our children like that's one of the biggest mercies i see is i'm i'm a pastor now like i'm a pastor of a you're a lead Stones, pastor livingstone's carson and yes. curse like, among equals, and, right? And people are always like, "Yeah, my kids have nightmares every Saturday," and I don't know. It could happen, but so far I've said, "What if it doesn't?" And every Saturday night, I pray over the kids and I say, "I rebuke anything that would give them yes. nightmares in Christ's name." And up to this point, they have never had nightmares on yeah. a Saturday night. Wow. Um, and so yeah, I, I and I could be heretical. If I'm heretical, sorry. Um, no, but you are right, and we are right. And Sean, <laughs> here's the thing. No, and Sean's Sean's right. Sean, here's the thing. I have seen your son looks at you and goes, what What do you want? What do you want, Sean? I'm trying to affirm you, and you are just peeing on everything I'm doing. No, I'm listening to that Sean is literally peeing. This is one of the rowdiest nights (laughs) I've heard on Tales from the Dish. You, listen, your son, I've seen, whether it's correction, rebuke, love, affirmation, he knows my dad is a refuge that if I go there... He will be there waiting. And I think of the prodigal son. That is the most beautiful story of a father. Not that the father was necessarily like, because I know what the metaphors are, but it doesn't say that, you know, the son did everything perfectly. The older son doesn't act perfectly. But yet, and we don't get a lot of detail on the character of the father, but somehow 
that son came back and we saw the response. We saw the son thought at least, oh, maybe I can come back and get fed. Maybe I can eat that. Like he at least had a pull in his, like in the soul, in the core of him of I can come back or maybe that's a place I could find refuge. I've seen that your son looks at you going, I believe he would take me back even if I did something egregious. Hmm. And it reminds me of that one time Maverick and it was just a bad day. He looked at me after I disciplined him. He looks and goes, do you still love me? And he was crying. I go, of course. And I looked at him. I go, did you doubt that? He goes, no, I think I knew. Hmm. He knew. He went, even though I, do- I I know you're a place I can come to. No one's asking you to be perfect, Sean, because then you're Christ. But I think your son knows at the core of him. He goes, I know if I came home, my dad is the one I would want to come to. I love my mom. I love her too. I could come to her. But we're spe- specifically talking about dads. He knows. He goes, I could come home. And not all of us had that answer. Hmm. Not all of us knew we could come home. Me, I was like, I'm going to wait this out as long as I can. <laughs> Your son knows that. And I'll say this. My son trusts you. Because a lot of people don't know this. When I fir- when we first had our boy, I found my wife passed out. It was a little after we had had Maverick. Passed out in our apartment. She was calling out my name. Turns out my wife had become a uh, septic, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and her, her blood is like toxic. She, her blood pressure's crazy. She was dying. Sean took our son. He was uh, not even a month old and stayed with him at our house. Maverick to this day trusts men. He looks at them and goes, you can trust them. You can, you know, believe in them. He wants to hear what they have to say. If I invite friends over, he looks up up at them and absorbs every word they're saying. Hmm. He wants to hear what Christian men have to say. And it's because he looked at you and went, that's a refuge. Hmm. That's like, and you did that for me. You watched my son that the most, I was at my most vulnerable. I couldn't help him. I was torn between being by my wife who's unconscious and loving my son. And Sean took care of him. And you have that fatherly spirit. And I believe your son knows at the deep, at his core, he goes, I can come home. And not every son knows that, Sean. Not every son believes he can come home. And that's the thing. Can your son come home and go, my father, imperfect as he is, is going to grab me and go, I want to restore you. Hmm. And you have, that's the thing. The verse is, is he going to be successful? What? Till the, uh, you know, till, uh, until the economy dives till what he doesn't have a job. What uh, um, am I graded by, you know, till my son has a divorce or he, no. Does he look and go, when I think of my father, I think of a refuge that I can come home and I'll be shown grace hmm. because w- we don't all get that. And, and I have never doubted that. I, I think I've had more confidence in you as a father than you have. Hmm. And your son loves you. He loves you, and that's not normal for everyone. He knows. He goes, I can come home. Because when he does mess up, and our kids are going to mess up, do you want a kid who goes, oh, well, my dad's Mr. Perfect. I have to do this. Or does he say, you know what? My dad, I don't always agree with him, but if I came home right now, he he would take me in. He, he would still say, you're my son. He would still say, you know, I, I love you, and I will fight to death and Hmm. maverick knows this maverick knows i would to the end to the end i would i i would do what i can because i held him 
And I remember when he was born, I said, to have this example that God hasn't given up on his creation, I'm right there. And you have that. Your son sees that in you. Um, so, yeah. And, and I have no doubt, the friends I have, I have no problem telling people when they're screwing up. But I, I have many friends who are better fathers than they think. And I think it's because they, they, they see the goalposts as perfection. Well, then we're all going to fall short. Hmm. Yeah. But I just see God does not call you to numbers or to be a super successful person. He calls you to be faithful. And you have that, Sean. I have no doubt about you being a dad. I, n- I never have. Hmm. I believed in you before danger was born. So that's why I have to say. Thank you. That's, it's okay to cry those Chris Farley tears. It's okay. <laughs> those syrup tears. <laughs> those, I have, and I want to tell people who listen, I don't know why I have no grace for him. That's so bad. You people should, you email me over like political, you should be emailing me over that. Chris Farley was a human. Goodness. That's, I even feel <laughs> offended the by the He world. was like the coolest guy in the world. And people are like, I want to argue about this. I'm like, I just insulted a dead man. What is shame on you? Maverick, go to bed (laughs) right now. But we love you, Sean. I mean that. I love you, Sean. I love you, Gavin. And I see guys who, and I tell them this, I would not pray over anyone or ordain or commission anyone to be a deacon or a pastor if I did not trust them to be someone who I could put either the welfare or well-being of my family in their hands. Like, Hmm. This is what I mean. If it's a pastor, I would not commission a guy who I didn't feel comfortable my family sitting under their leadership or teaching. I would not. And Gavin is one of those guys. I would not commission you unless I said, yeah, I'm okay with my family sitting under that teaching. And you're one of those guys, Gavin. Same thing with you, Sean. I would not commission a deacon unless I went, that's a guy I'm okay being in leadership over a church that affects my family. And you're both that. Hmm. I would, if they said you or Gavin, Sean, we're teaching. I would have no problem with my family singing under that because I know your guys' hearts. That's it's not numbers. I care about the faithfulness, and I believe you both have that. Ugh. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Solid. Gavin's hiding behind his mic. All I see is eyes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not some brace girdle from Hardbuckle. I'll tell you that much. You know real. what? That's why I started the podcast talking about you being born in Marina. Because <laughs> we have plan that he says that right. This is no, this I'm is totally uh, serious. this is dispensational because storytelling. We have parentheses in, in Sparks, <laughs> and now Nevada, we're back in Sparks, Nevada, where Seth and I were raised as adults. Now we have something called the Sparks Marina. I was in Sparks for four years. The other twenty years, I said Marina. Go ahead. It doesn't matter. We were raised in Sparks. Yes. And we have this thing called the Sparks Marina. Yes, that's true. And for people who are outside of Nevada, they it probably wasn't always don't know a this marina. Story. Yeah, it was a quarry. It was literally a pit. It was called Helm's Pit. Uh, it was a quarry. And then we had a flood in 1997. Mm-hmm. And the flood Which I caused. Yeah, <laughs> the flood filled up this pit. And we just said, as the city of Sparks, we said, "Well, since the pit's filled." <laughs> We'll call it the Sparks Marina. And Gavin defeated the dwarves and we took it. It's ridiculous. 
And so now we have this thing called the Sparks Marina. And I know I'm supposed to be supportive of the city of Sparks. Are you? But I'm just going to say as a public individual with a podcast that's super popular because we just went past 20,000 downloads. Yeah! That's right. It's time to drain the Sparks Marina. The Sparks Marina is the most disgusting, vile... We've um, had Pyramid Lake as and Lahontan as the worst parts in America for several years, but they've only been trumped by the Sparks Marina. So I didn't know you were gonna go that angle. I'm sorry. I, so I'm just saying one time. What is the question? <laughs> here's the no. Here's the he tales. Goes, How from do you feel ditch. about Muslims? Here's the tales from the ditch. Gavin had a bachelor party. Oh no. Okay. And we can edit oh, out. No. <laughs> We can edit out whatever. Oh, if you want to hear about my gun sales, ask me afterwards. I'm gonna keep asking. So there's yeah. DM Seth about Harrington, dude. One Uh, second, never mind. Okay, Gavin had a bachelor party, and I think this is a good tales from the ditch since Gavin's here tonight. Gavin had a bachelor party. We started the bachelor party by saying, "Hey, Gavin, let's meet at the Sparks Marina." Which is a cesspool. It's just like fish can't even live in the marina. For the record, I really like the Sparks Marina. How- in the pity for the pity. <laughs> <laughs> How often do fish live in the marina? Every it's few like years. They die. I know. And <laughs> they, they drop bring them, them back. out of a plane and they're all yeah! News we flash. Like- we all die. <laughs> it's so terrible. The Sparks Marina, the best thing about it is that they have a theater there. That has reclining seats, and sometimes that's legends. That's not even marina. Sometimes <laughs> in like the August evenings, you can see the glimmer of the trash getting caught in the chain link fences, and you can see the dead fish floating on the top, and it looks like you're looking into a universe. Like and you're hell? like, this is Are so you beautiful. Into hell? <laughs> The marina, I'm just saying. I'm not even a pastor in this area. You are destroyed. I'm sorry. But and I'm I just don't saying, care because I'm downtown, I love baby. Sparks. Which, by the way, I love Midtown. Come to Midtown, our own. <laughs> yep. I love Virginia Sparks, Lake Nevada. Virginia has never been tested as poisonous. I love Sparks, Nevada. And the best thing for Sparks, Nevada, we were talking about the importance of disciplining your children. Let's discipline our municipalities. The most important thing we can do to recover as a city is drain the Sparks Marina and put it back to what it was. All right. I I think this is getting just intense. So. How is this a tale? But wait, I have to How finish the tale from the no, ditch. Wait, the wait. tale from the ditch was Gavin's bachelor party. <laughs> we started by saying, hey, you know what would be funny for Gavin's bachelor party? We're going to throw him in the Sparks Marina. You know, because it's so funny because it's so disgusting. And so... We said, hey, let's meet at the Sparks Marina and we'll move on from there. And let's so- meet at Olive Garden. No, I didn't know that it was my bachelor party. <laughs> Olive Garden, when your paycheck hasn't come all in right. yet. <laughs> so, all right, we got to fix this. <laughs> okay. The sorry. bachelor party started. I thought I was going on a date with Kelly. This and then so you guys good. kidnapped me. Yeah, yeah, okay. What's with kidnapping for all these bachelor Gavin's parties? wife was such a good sport. She said, hey. I'll make it seem like I'm going on a date with him at Olive Garden, mm. which is near the Sparks Marina, which should cast a little more shade on the Sparks Marina. And we captured Gavin. I think we put you in the trunk. Isn't it where we they put a hood murder and face, throw right? it was a hobos truck. in so, the marina? Yes. That's yeah. where they throw him? 
We put <laughs> yes. Yeah. They throw dead hobos in the marina. We put we put a hood over Gavin's face, put him in the back of a truck, and drove him to the Sparks Marina, which from Olive Garden is like a two minute drive. Right. <laughs> and then we took. You Gavin. are the worst with a cut. I'm sorry. This. We took Gavin onto the dock. There's a dock in the Sparks Marina for fishing. For fishing. I made so many sketchy crime deals at the marina. I'm not even kidding. I would hop it's the fence, the meet someone, place. and go, hey, where are we going to fight this guy? Because we assumed no one was listening to our conversation, we'd cover our mouth like casino, and then we'd leave. I That's made deals saying. there about where to jump people. Go That's ahead. exactly what I'm saying. It's the worst place. It's about the worst place in the country. But, but there's, there's the lakes that you, of the United States of America. There are lakes that you can't catch fish and eat them in. You can eat the fish from the marina. Like, Does this work safe. with you your vision statement, Gavin, that without the marina is sick. terrible? <laughs> That's so, what I'm saying. In the city, except for the marina. I'm sorry. I know the city manager <laughs> of Sparks. I know people who do PR for Sparks. This but I'm just so saying, for the good of Sparks, let's drain the marina. Anyway, so we throw Gavin into the marina. Wait, wait, you actually threw him? Yes. Yeah. And it was actually super awkward. Are because you a good Gavin, swimmer? No. No, but... But he was being a good sport. <laughs> Were yeah. the Shrocks behind this? Shro- oh, he was there. Never was... trust a dwarf. I knew it. A Never trust a dwarf. We take him out into the end of the dock, which is about 20 feet. And so at the end of the dock, it's what, five feet deep, maybe? It's not very deep. It's not very deep. For a hobbit or a dwarf, that is death. <laughs> Why don't you just kill That's Moria? <laughs> Why don't you just destroy the minds of Moria? Is, that is the most conclusive evidence I've found that Seth believes that I'm a hobbit. So, <laughs> I so. think, look, you guarded the ring well. I love you, but seriously. At least you're not greedy for those mines and ore like those <laughs> filthy dwarves. <laughs> filthy. They're just in their caves, diving in that dark, greedy, ignoring. Greedy cave dwelling <sighs> under the mountain. Okay. Let's say this dock's 20 feet Whatever. long. It's not deep. It's not deep. And About it smells fine. Halfway down the dock, we take the hood off of Gavin. Right. And Gavin goes, oh, wow. This must be, I mean, we could all see it on your face. He goes, oh, wow, this must be my bachelor party shenanigans. And I might as well go through with this. I'm not going to fight too hard. So Gavin says, oh, no, please don't throw me in. And he's fighting. And then we, like, push him over the railing, and he falls into the marina. And we kind of lower him in. What if a Balrog was there? What if right there there was a Balrog? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. The Sparks Marina is bad enough. There could have been a disgusting behemoth sea monster. And Gavin's at the least. Gavin is trying his best to play along with the shenanigans of his bachelor party. And then he hits the water of this disgusting cesspool. And he immediately, the expression on his face changes. And he goes, Oh my God. (laughs) I'm in the Sparks Marina. From trolls and again, <laughs> and he's thoroughly disgusted because the only thing float that floats on the surface we of the Sparks Marina <laughs> is dead fish and goose crap and homeless people. And Gavin's face goes fully under and comes up, and he sees goose poop and dead fish, and he immediately wants to get out of it. Gavin, do you have any correction? All right, sure, goose poop, <laughs> um, not dead fish. Uh, I I will say it freaked me out a little 
because it was warm first off. Uh, um, like lakes shouldn't be warm. Um, <laughs> like bath warm, bath warm. Like Florida and then I, warm. I, death I, I touched something slimy. <sighs> I remember that. Yeah, I touched something slimy. It was warm. Gavin know. gets out. Gavin climbs over the railing and he goes, "Okay, good joke, guys." <laughs> and he looks. Somebody in the eye, and he says, I hope the rest of my bachelor party turns out a little better than this. We say, okay. <laughs> we say, okay. Okay, Gavin's waving me off. I can't talk about the whole thing. We leave the Sparks Marina, and Gavin's still wet from the disgusting cesspool waters of the Sparks Marina. And we head to somebody's house, our friend Josh Schrock. Seth doesn't trust the Shrocks. No. What have dwarves done for us? <laughs> Name one thing. Thomas. In the Bible. <laughs> he was He's a, a dwarf? dwarf? Read everything he says in Gimli's voice and you'll understand. No. No, and you know what? And <laughs> they, Let's go so we can die with him. And they kill him. You know what that You know what I will say this to ah, unless I could see why his is holes. It, why is the elves <laughs> Get so self-righteous about men going, oh, the men won't, the world of men won't save us. That, if you read the Silmarillion, the elves were the ones who jacked everything up and they go, That's they true. get so high and mighty Very about men, fair. like, the world of men has failed us. You stupid, you know what, D-bag? You failed us. You burned down everything. You betrayed God in Lord of the Rings. You don't shut up. And the dwarves, goodness, you're saying, Stephen, the first martyr's a dwarf. He was at least five nine. How dare you, Gavin? How dare you? These shrocks. Gavin responds. <sighs> you say he's a dwarf? I am betrayed. Some of this podcast may offend younger viewers. We'll Viewer edit discretion out. Is advice. Younger viewers are I just foolish. want to say, we're going to edit out when whatever did we say Gavin we says needed is the unfair to discuss publicly. I didn't need their stones so, or ore. So <laughs> we just want to Is this, is this heading to the bullfrog? Middle Earth lives matter. The bullfrog? Matter. Yeah. No. Shrock, I would have swung a goose or and struck people there. Put a bullfrog in my coat. Yeah, that was a part of it. Yes. yes. Okay. No, sorry. Can you explain that part? Because With I was the jaw of a goose, I've made you so, a goose. <laughs> Freedom United bachelor parties. Freedom <sighs> United being a previous church that we've been part of. Um, they get kind of wild. There were some that I wasn't even allowed to. Um, including... Yeah, I'll, those are another C.S. Lewis quote that is someone else's story to tell. <laughs> um, but I will say I had a feeling that I uh, – we were getting older. like So I had a feeling that pretty soon one of us was going to have the last bachelor party. And my bachelor party was kind of a confirmation of that because we they threw me in the marina, which is cool, all that. Then we went to Schrock's house and had some excellent burgers – Someone put a bullfrog in my hoodie. I used to wear hoodies all the time. Um, and so there was a bullfrog just chilling in my hoodie. They were hoping that he was like in a the hood, right? Yeah. They were going to hop. He was going to hop around and they were frustrated because he was there for like two hours just being like, no, this is actually really nice. Thank you. So probably because it smelled like the marina. Um, <laughs> it's not a dig on the marina. It's just the bullfrogs live there. Um, or they could. If they want. And they have killed all the orcs that live <laughs> yeah. there. And then we did like a couple of shenanigans. Unfortunately, the night ended very poorly. Um, out of respect for, for a friend, I will not go into details for that. Ah, um, dang it. That's what I was looking for. Oh, wait. Was right. I invited to this? I believe so. Did I show up? 
So no. I here's the things we can talk about. Right. Oh, sorry. Do you do you want to say more? I think that's it. Like it's it's a wild story. Why did we? So we up? had this thing oh, on the way to Shrock's house from the Sparks Marina. Um, from the Sphincter of America to Shrock's house is about I don't know four miles, three and a half miles. Yeah, it's about a fifteen minute drive. And so there's a freeway. Freeway. And so we took the freeway. Yep. And, and me and another individual had a, remember Super Balls? You could get them in the grocery store. Yeah. So this is Stoffer. Sean and his balls. Stoffer again. and right. another individual in the car right. with this person. Right. Um, we were trying to, on the freeway going 65, 70, 80 miles an hour, trying to throw from the driver's seat out the passenger window, bounce on the, Freeway. The Pac-Man line, and then into the driver's window of the car in the next lane. The Super Ball fight. Right. Super Balls. You know, you can bounce them. And then it wasn't working well, and so we ended up throwing this big bucket of Super Balls. (laughs) Right. I remember this. And I remember it caused quite the stir. There were no casualties or damage done. But uh, essentially, we shut down the freeway for about 18 minutes. There were ominous... What is this, amateur hour? This was... It was ridiculous. Like, so here's what's crazy. There were all these amazing and ridiculous bachelor parties for Freedom United folk. And mine is the one that is, like, flashing ominous signs of how that evening would end. Sean ruined it. Because unfortunately, (laughs) as Christians... You ruined it, Sean. We're not drinking. Right. We're not going to strip clubs. Right. You ruined it. So it's like, we have to do something equally as ridiculous. However, something that's technically within the confines of not sinning. So Sean... It, so, so Super Bowl fight, so Sparks Marina. It. And then all I can say is at the end of the night, somebody went to prison. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. So not- on the freeway... You're throwing a ball, and where are you bouncing it off of? I'm trying to bounce it into Lonnie's car, essentially. I'm Who's in the driver's seat in a Celica. I'm throwing it out the passenger's the passenger to window Lonnie's car. in the next lane into Lonnie's driver's seat. You know what I appreciate, Gavin? Here's the thing. I want you to appreciate this because I do, and I want you to echo my echo. So, <laughs> Echoing the at echo this echo. time... I was non-Christian a lot this time. Yes. So when so we you went didn't to show up, so we went to Josh. Yeah, because I'm consistent, Sean. I don't call the marina a dump. And then, so here's the thing: Josh Rock's wedding. We're driving in traffic by Tahoe, and it's one way each, one way south, one way north. And I saw that there was a barrier between us and the other traffic. So the other traffic has like a mile or two till they have to do a U-turn to catch up with us if I did something silly. Sure. So what am I doing? I'm taking garbage out of the car and randomly throwing it at cars five <laughs> feet to the left of me, hitting the driver in the face, knowing they have a mile or two before they can turn around and catch up. Now, here's the thing, Sean. This... Wait, is- why is that better? Because it was consistent with my worldview. I didn't believe in God. I hated God. I wasn't doing anything. Yet you here try to drown a hobbit. You're talking about how dumpy the marina is. Then it turns out you're trying to use these murder balls to make people crash and die. I was consistent with my worldview. Yet you, this paragon of virtue, what a bunch of crap. I'm glad I'm coming. You know what I was doing, Gavin? I was hanging people with bats, but that was consistent. I just want to represent... 
Yes. I Seth can't see was Gavin. All I see is a mic. Seth was not a Christian at the time. <laughs> Where's so Gavin? When Seth Hobbit, decided man. not to show up, it was, was because he was like, I'm going to go do non-Christian activities. I'm going to go fight and stab. It was probably, to- uh, Gavin, nothing interesting is going to happen. Because you had friends who owed me money. You had friends who owed me money, yeah. and I dealt Seth with Seth didn't want to run into him. people from... From people owed you terrible money? situations. Yes, you. There was actually people who owed me, and I confronted him That's at farmers true. market. And he said, "I'll email you." I was at like, the That's party, right, you will. Yeah, he'll probably You'll be see. on the podcast eventually. But uh, <laughs> I, meanwhile, I was truly following God. However, sure you were. Maybe apostate, even though I had only been following God for a couple months. However, grace to you. My point is. Whether I'm 17 and had just been saved, whether I'm 21 and had reconfirmed my faith, whether I'm 25 and had started coming back to church, or whether right now I'm 34 and a podcast theologian with 20,000 downloads, the Sparks Marina needs to be drained. It is an absolute affront on anybody who you lives in Sparks. You have just attacked all our sponsors. It, we have five just, Sparks Marine sponsors. It's just disgusting. Nibble. Who can swim there? Who can swim there? We're not They swimming. have a swimming area, and they have caution <laughs> signs that say, please don't swim in this because you will die. They it don't say disgusting. it, does it? Does no. It there's signs that say, please don't swim here because of health risk. Then stop the the health there, risk wait. isn't the water, it's the goose poop. Oh, God. But the goose poop is in the water. Murder the yeah, goose. Yeah, some it's, of it's in the water. So it's the we goose. We need to get rid of the Sparks Marina. It needs inflow. That's what it needs. A goose it has inflow. Hold on. And it has outflow. Hold on. They have to pump it needs out fresh in. This is biblical. This is a real thing. All right. A goose tried to attack my wife. So, no joke. A goose tried to attack my wife while we were That hanging. is not fair. Hold on. Hold on. This That's is not fair. <laughs> So, my wife and I, well, I'm, I'm using it, I, loosely, because it was my wife. She's trying to hand uh, bread out to geese, and one of them got aggressive with her, and I had already wrapped the bag around my knuckle like a fist pack, because I didn't trust geese. And my wife's like, we got feed them? And she goes, oh, this is so fun. It lunged at her. I took that bag wrapped around my hand. Like this freaking uppercut from Thor swung it at the goose, like it ducked and went ah, what? and took a step, like it's gonna come at me, and and I uh, so it charges at us, and I say it was because I was defending my wife, so let's go with that. It goes ah, and tries to bite me. I step back a like just two steps, get in my stance, and it misses me, so it's recoiling to try attack again. And I come down with a overhand, like no joke, like on Odin, a goose, like Odin punching the juggernaut. And I slam that bag of bread in its jaw, where it does a tumble, like it just got kicked by uh, Odin. Like I'm gonna go with Odin again, yeah, because he's you know uh, Skyfather level if you go on board. But I <laughs> clock this goose. It tumbled and goes, and walks away from me. But no goose tries to bite or kick my wife. I will uppercut. Hey, goosey, you listening right now? I will smash you with a bag of bread in the throat. And guess what? It was whole grain. It was wheat. It wasn't even white. You agree with me then. I came down to hook and with the momentum, it went boom. And that thing tumbled. And I go, yes. And my wife looks like, no. Because I just overhand right 
a goose. But you know what? You know what, goose? I've thrown that overhand 10,000 times. And I was waiting for that moment. <laughs> I was waiting. And my mom, when she was a kid, her sisters challenged her. I bet you can't catch a goose in a potato chip bag. She <laughs> did and closed it. And then her sisters ran around and said, Oh, I don't know why she did that. We didn't tell her to do that. And she got in trouble. You know what the funny thing was when my mom was telling me the story? She still had a sense of pride. Even though her sisters ran around and lied that they didn't tell her to do this, she was like, I got the goose in a potato chip bag. She had by the throat, which is what my enemies will get. They will have me, my hand <laughs> on your throat. Bag. And I want you to remember this in your most personal of moments. The one man who beat you, goose. I think that's so true. Bruce Lee talks about it's important to have such strong muscle memory that when a goose approaches you, you can just punch that goose without even thinking. It's not the man who's thrown 10,000 kicks once. It's the man who's thrown one kick 10,000 times. And goose, I know you. I know you because there was fear in your eyes because when it dropped and I clocked you, I knew I had dominion (laughs) over all of you. Shrocks. All the birds of the air. never... You owe me those gems from Moria. <laughs> I am not. All right, some... Gavin. Hold on. Hold on. I need to say this. I need to end with this. And I will say this and then Gavin can. To all the Shrocks, I am not some blockheaded brace girdle from Hard Bottle. Take that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Gavin, tell I just had a reminder. Pray with my wife right now. Let me see. Let me remove that from my phone. All right. Dismiss. Which ditch? The 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 uh... ditch of our depravity, the marina, or the ditch? Because <laughs> Sean just ditch, bashed your whole neighborhood. The, the what? The what ditch? The ore ditch, just north of the termination of Fourth Street. You know where Spartan. you didn't mm. hang out, and Sean and I make mm. everyone talk about it. Let's do um. How about we do um, Sun Valley? Um, Fair enough. Yes. We've all lived there. Yes. All right. So we, my parents get divorced. We move here. And the first place that we live when we move here is uh, with my grandma uh, in Sun Valley. And so uh, I did first, second, and part of second grade in uh, California and then came here. And... Uh, I remember when we first started out, we were, we were kind of poor. Um, and so, like, I just remember it being cold when it snowed. It was a, I just remember my first months here being cold because it was snowy and wet snow. And I had this, this scarf and, um, didn't really have gloves that were comfortable. So it was either have them on and be super hot or, or have them off. And, and, uh, it's Sun Valley. So it's snowball fight, you know, every day at the bus stop. And, uh, I'm pretty new and, um, probably have some pent up aggression, um, from the divorce and all that other good stuff. And so <laughs> I, I'm bummed because the first few times I don't join in, but then I, I do one day, uh, and I have to take my gloves off because it's like, okay, I can't, I, I, I'm getting, I'm just getting nailed every single day at this bus stop by all these snowballs. And I've never, you know, I'm from California at, like at that point. And, and side note, and it's hard to form a snowball with gloves on. Right, it's, it's hard to form a snowball with gloves on, and you're you're not familiar with snow. Side note: This is why Ooh, yeah. the weakness of Californians driving is reversing in snow, and the weaknesses of Nevadans driving is rain. 
the first time it rains, there will be about 30 casualties. Um, Fair enough. So, and so I do this, I do this, I do this. And then finally I'm like, okay, I'm going to try with my scarf, with my gloves off and all this other stuff. And I'm, I'm having more fun, but then all of a sudden I, I stop having fun. And in hindsight, looking back, I think the part of it was just like, hey, I hadn't really like processed through my emotions yet. And part of it was I'm cold and kids are still throwing snowballs at me. And I learned in that moment that I know all of my dad's cuss words, um, <laughs> at, like all of them. And it, it's sort of like when you're playing a good video game and, and you hit a crucial moment in the plot and it's like skill set unlocked. Uh, and I just go off and, and just screaming obscenities and crying. And, um, like that was, and that was, I'm on one side of one of the ditches in Sun Valley and all the kids are just like looking at me with their mouths open. Um, and just like, what the heck is going on? Well done, Jones. Um, and, uh, can I, can I set the scene real quick? No, yeah. you can't. No, Let no, no, him no. talk. I, I'm tracking with you in Sun Valley. Instead of curbs and gutters, they just have ditches. So on the side of every road, and the ditches are huge. Is a big ditch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Sean's still okay. On. Continue. So when you read the prophets of the Old Testament, they're shouting from the mountain. It's that, except in no way holy. Uh, and a, a second grader that knows far too many curse words. Um, and uh, that is about the the end of my story uh, for that moment. But I will say, in recent memory. I remember that going home that day, uh, that the kids were surprisingly cool about it. Uh, and I realized that right. while I had a horrible elementary school experience in Nevada, um, that all of the kids at the bus stop at Sun Valley were very cool. Um, and I think once that once you contributed, uh, what, what'd you say? Once you contributed. Right? Once I contributed and, you know, join, I like invited me into the King of the Hill fights once the snow melted and all that stuff. And I think that it was just, you know, Sun Valley has a lot of brokenness. And I think what must have happened in that moment is they were like, yeah, he's, he's from California and kind of an outsider, but he's broken too. And, um, they walked home with me that day, like showing all the curse words they knew and was like, Hey, it's okay. Like we're, we're not upset. Um, like I cry sometimes too. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was probably, it turned into one of my better elementary school memories, although it's it still stings in my head. So, we have a truce. Do you agree, Gavin? Between your family and my family, yes, we have a truce. And yet, I will strike down any dwarf who thinks the jewels of Moria are kept for me. I have purchased them, Gavin. You've purchased them. I'm serious. With blood. Go to the Gospels, read Thomas, but read it in a Gimli voice. These filthy. Kings who believe they rule the mines under the mountain can look at us and tell me <laughs> anything. Anyway, so if you have issues or complaints from Tales from Ditch... Do you want to ask Gavin the question? He's already answered it, though. No, no, no. The new question. What's There's the new, a new question? So you have Chicago Deep Dish... Which is uh, 10 miles of marinara. I shouldn't set. No, I'm going to set it. I don't care. Bias. No, David Bake. That's your bi That's fake news. I don't care. This is what. So, Chicago deep dish or New York, just the basic, you know, general pizza they got. What do you got? Do you like a mile of disgusting red or do you like New York? No, no, no <laughs> big deal. Hey, David Beck, I'm coming for your ratings. The glory of pizza. 
is that when you eat a normal crust pizza with a whole bunch of toppings, you don't feel full until it's far too late. So I'm going to go with normal New York style. Um, <laughs> but Amen. I am uh, very partial to just a, a pizza that's loaded with toppings. So I agree with that. Yeah. You know what? I agree. And that's fine. And that's the beauty of American pizza. Because this shows that Gavin supports Jill Stein. All right. So Tales from the Ditch. Uh, email us at talesfromditch at gmail.com if you have an issue with what Sean said. I do not support or affirm any of the views on this uh, station. And my sponsor's Nike, which uh, <laughs> pays me to kneel at certain times. And um, hashtag drain the Sparks Marina. Why do you? I like it. It reminds me of, of the ocean a little bit. You know what? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There's a smell sometimes, but sometimes when the wind is really strong and you've gone into a local coffee shop there and you just kind of stand out at the fence and look out over it, it's like, oh, the sun's rising and there's a breeze and Are you talking about when you hang out with dwarves? I can really see the fish floating (laughs) upside down. (laughs) The sun catches the the dead fish just right. I've never seen seen an upside down fish in the Sparks Marina. I have at other local bodies of water, but not the Sparks Marina. Sean just bashed the marina for about almost two hours. <laughs> and you're part of the Sparks Church. I am downtown. Yeah, I'm saying for Which, the by best the way, for Sparks, I just want to let people know, moment. downtown and midtown, we appreciate you. Our church is there for you. We love you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's another excellent episode. Thank you, Gavin, for coming by. In nine episodes, we're going to have a huge party. We don't know where or how yet. Please Red Robin! <laughs> Zip it Marina. up! Zip it out! Sparks Marina. Oh, I, I, I think I peeped.